When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Welcome to Crunch Time. Off the pack, it'll be rowed by Johannesson. Hand pass to Eugle Hagen, hooked it around the corner, and the dogs get the first. Bontempelli, Bailey Dale, 45 out, should, does, it skips through for their third goal. And the dogs are finding their way home, and the Saints ain't at the moment. Paul scrounced out, McRae picks it up, back to Bontempelli, 49 metres out, <laughs> the full Bonte! And... It's a massive gap between these two sides tonight. Marcus Bontempelli fires it through for the sealer. <laughs> Celebrates down on one knee, chainsaw style. Brett Lee. <laughs> he has served in every manner that has been required from first to last. And the dogs are home. Should be uh, pretty joyful and jubilant after a, a good win, but um, yeah, the last quarter wasn't, uh, wasn't good enough. Boys are pretty proud, so they were on the front foot trying to, you know, rectify or get some pride back. And uh, but uh, we wanted that to last a, a whole journey, and it uh, and it petered out late. One of our KPIs felt was pressure, and yeah, it just fell away. And um, as a team in this space, where you know Friday night. Um, we're trying to make finals, we're trying to get into the finals and we deliver that performance is below par. It is a, a concern for us and trying to find the right mix and the right players to get that done. Uh, we'll keep exploring that, but yeah, we're running out of time very quickly. The Western Bulldogs ride the seven-day redemption cycle while the Saints can't halt the free fall. The full wash-up from a critical Friday night, including Dogs midfielder Adam Trelaw. No, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, the numbers haven't been great. At the end of the day, the buck stops with me. I haven't been able to get the performance, and that's me. The system of the, of the AFL is all about ups and downs, and you go to the bottom, you, you take your leaks, you get more talent, and you, you rise again. Um, the teams that are at the top of the ladder at the moment have all had their time at the bottom of the ladder as well. Uh, this is just a moment in time. Resisting the urge to dream big, we set a simple benchmark, improve on last year, compete consistently against the teams around us on the ladder and play a brand of football that challenge the competition's best teams. Put simply, we have failed to live up to those expectations and that is why we have agreed to end David's tenure as coach. What is the state of the North Melbourne rebuild after parting company with another coach? What's the fallout at Arden Street? And who are the key figures when it comes to getting the right coach third time around? What's he worth? He's shown year on year to be able to command big dollars and he's still showing to me and, and I think the wider football community that he, he still can command top dollar. What is surprising though 
is that the contract is being played out in the media by someone associated with the deal. Let's settle it, bud, on 600000 and enough of the unedifying headlines. He didn't play a game in 2020. He played 10 games in 2019. You didn't see Sydney going and asking for their check back. So it just has painted Franklin and his camp in a poor light. Conversations that we're having with Lance um, have remained very respectful with significant amounts of goodwill and most importantly from the club and Lance's point of view private so uh, no interest, interesting report yesterday and the contract discussion that has transfixed footy what's the truth behind discussions between the Swans and Buddy Franklin and what are the possibilities if the unthinkable happens it's all ahead in the round 18 edition of Crunch Time The Dogs got what they needed out of Friday night footy and the Saints didn't. It is a free fall, five out of six losses. They've conceded a place from fourth and they have fallen to tenth while the Dogs, the big tests, are ahead. The Friday night scores for Werribee Isuzu. Upgrade your old ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. The Bulldogs, 13-684, defeated the Saints, 7-14-56. And it's our cue for many a conversation as we gather for crunch time. David King, welcome. Morning, G. Morning, lads. Morning, everyone. Uh, it was a pretty average game of footy, let's be honest. It was a pretty average game of footy to watch, but uh, a must win for, for both teams. And the Dogs come out on top because of their midfield, which we've talked about, I reckon, every week for, for three years. Are they back to their best? No. Were, were they lucky they played an average outfit last night? 100%. If they play like that the next three weeks, they'll get hammered. They've got some scope to improve, but they're going to have to. And St Kilda? Yeah, you're left scratching your head. I'm looking forward to talking with Leon. I don't know what's happened to the Saints. The gap between their first ten weeks and their last seven are polar opposites. I don't know where their game's at. I don't know what the foundation of their game is. We called it fraudulent last year. In the first 10 weeks, they were fantastic, and now it's back to that fraudulent brand of 2021. Yeah, they're, they're big discussions. It's, it's sort of take what you like out of last night. I thought both coaches were just straight up and down. Luke Beveridge wanted four quarters. He didn't get four quarters, so he wasn't satisfied. And Brett Ratton's not dodging any of it. It's just how to rectify it. Yeah, but well, cut to the chase. What, what was the coach demanding last night? He was demanding pressure. And he didn't get it. Now, now to not get that, that that's, a, that's a base level request. And, and I think there's a fair bit of system involved in this. There's the ability for their forwards to actually be front and square when that ball arrives. So when, when the crumb avails itself, if you don't win that ball, you're there to, to put pressure on or to tackle. They had 12 tackles and a half of football. They had 16 guys who didn't lay a tackle for 60 minutes. You can't have that. Not when your season's on the line. Otherwise, you, you just frit away another opportunity, and that, that's what they've done. Sam Edmonds in place. Hi to you, Sammy. Good morning, Jared. G'day, David. And I'm sure we'll uh, say a big good morning to Leon shortly. But an emphatic response for the Dogs, wasn't it, Jared? Or, or was it the Buffaloes? 
Is there a coach with a deeper bag of themes than Luke Beveridge? Just when you think he's run out, he reaches further into the trick bag. And this week was all about challenging or channeling the Cape Buffalo, Jared, which Bevo might have tried to illustrate on the whiteboard at Whitten Oval during the week. And we saw the horn celebrations last night after goals. Now, for those unfamiliar, and there might be many listening in this morning, the Cape Buffalo, they stand together, Jared, when one is threatened by a predator. And they back into a, a, a buffalo thorn tree with their horns facing out ready to defend themselves from predators such as lions. Well, the wolves were at the door of the, the Western Bulldogs, <laughs> and they turned into the Cape Buffaloes last night. You're going to have to get some of them in Arden Street, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you might need some horns at Arden Street. That's a good point. I hope they documented the drawing before it was... It was a bit of comic relief off. during the week, apparently, at Bevo's illustration attempt of the Cape Buffalo. It's, it's whatever works at this stage. Oh, 100%. Uh, the themes are great. I, I think that uh, when clubs let you in a little bit mm. on what they were, and it's become, it's you know, storytelling has become a major part of, of, of attaching players to a cause week on week. It can, can become pretty long, the year. Doesn't grab everyone, though. I saw Bailey Dale on, no. uh, on your network last well, night. The King, he said, I didn't even really get it, but we went with it anyway. Yeah, he was trying to lie to us, I think. He, he, he didn't know what he was saying there at the end. I don't know, so just he, something in the wild, he yeah, said. He, he, didn't, he, he didn't know it was a, a man of nature is Bailey Dale, a modern day crocodile Dundee. He sort of said something like, Oh, no, it wasn't the Chicago Bull. He's just trying to take us down paths. He got to himself throw twisted us off up. The scent. Just uh, something in so, the wild. <laughs> How good was the Bontempelli game? His first half was uh, extraordinary. And you know, even listening to the coach, so, uh, we're always looking for vision, we're looking for things to show and things to see. The things that he did last night when the game was ugly, a hand in here, a strip in there, diving to knock the ball free to a teammate, that that sort of stuff is more Liberatore than Bontempelli. But last night when the game needed him to be that player, he's, as captain, happy to be that player. And, and I think it just it just permeates through the group. Great leadership. Um, he's a wonderful player. He hasn't – he's had a strange year. Mm. He's been good. But he hasn't been great. And I know his levels uh, are hard to reach every week. But when he's somewhere near there, they're, they're a different midfield than, than what we've seen through the course of the year for large chunks. I thought Brendan Goddard's face probably summed it up best for most of us last <laughs> night, Jerry. Just a look of sheer bewilderment uh, at what last night threw up. Mojo back for the dogs. And just further into the mire for BJ's old mob, the Saints. When, when pressure's your base... And you dish up uh, what must have been close to a season low last night for them across the first three quarters anyway. Their pressure rating was through the floor. Then that's a real concern for Brett Ratton. What about the Paddy Ryder injury to add to all of it? What's known this morning? It's an Achilles issue, Jared. And Paddy Ryder and Achilles are deeply concerning when we put them together. We know at his age with his history. So touch and go was the word officially from Brett Ratton last night. But you'd think he'd be up against it to feature uh, next weekend. So that's a, that's a real concern because he'd been playing some really good footy, Paddy Ryder. The worry for me is that every time St Kilda are in this position, they say, oh, but we're, such a, uh, we're a much better team when Paddy Ryder's up and rolling. They, they rely so heavily on, on, on one player or, or a performance from one player. It's, it's, never a, it's never the group. It's always my worry. It goes back to Andrew Bassett at you know, mid, mid last year saying, this is their window. 2022 is their window. So if that's your window, you need to be a lot more advanced than what they are right now. 
They were eight and three. They were knocking on the top four door. Now they're fighting for final survival. They've lost five of their last six. Jerry. And I thought Billy on Twitter. I mean, I've got some sympathy without being patronising for the St Kilda supporter base. I mean, they are doing it tough at the moment. Now, Billy on Twitter, tongue firmly in cheek, posed a question like this. Can you sack a coach in the same week that he's extended his contract for two years? (laughs) (laughs) What's the payout? <laughs> it's, a, it's, 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 it's been strange in so many ways this season at St Kilda. And uh, just when you think we've got them figured out, Kingy, they throw us a curve. Well, let's let's talk seriously about the coaching, though. I, mean, I think you have to. I mean, they went with Patton as a as a, a shutdown on, on Bailey Dale. They had to give up with that because the school was reading was reading one way. They had to break and, and make some positive changes. What did they really do about Bontembelli? What did they meaningfully invest in Bontembelli last night? I'd say nothing. I'd say they backed their midfield in, and their midfield didn't get it done. The coach himself even pointed out Zach Jones' performance in the first half. You run around the midfield, you have four disposals. You're not invested. You're not absolutely invested in the game. You're not. And then I look at their half-forwards who refuse to put pressure on. We got slammed at the start of the year for the Jack Higgins discussion of this guy will kick four goals a game if you allow him to run to the goal square ahead of play. He, he will kick goals. And he could have kicked goals again last night. But what they do, and whether it's by design or the players taking things into their own hands, it's, it creates a fraudulent model. The second part of that is even Brett Ratton, by his own admission, said, I don't know why we were kicking 40-metre passes into the corridor last night. That's not how we want to play. So all these things are happening around their, their complete disregard for their own brand. So I think they've got real problems. How do they get the group playing the way that, the, that Brett Ratton has designed? If you can't get that to happen, don't worry about contract extensions and all this sort of discussion. They'll, everything falls apart. So there's such an interesting model. They, they beat the Bulldogs in the elimination final. So that's their first finals win in a long time. They have a terrible first half to a season, rectify a lot, come home strong, parlay that into an 8-3 start sitting fourth. And right now it looks like they might come home 3-8. and eight. And they, they might do well to get to three and eight in the back half of this season. So I think they're out of business in 2022 on the evidence of last night, where they've fallen to and where their percentage is. They've got a lot of questions to ask themselves as to where they are. Where is their list? Is there a premiership in that mm. list? Um, are they stuck with, are they stuck in the middle with not enough talent accumulated along the way that they've been bringing players in? But to what end if you're not high-end challenging? So in this period, they've managed to win one final and then regressed. I think right now, they have to be asking themselves these questions. Too many players who who absolutely aren't there when they're needed, for me. Like, even Max King. And Max King was okay last night. Just okay. Like, come on, Max. Like, this is the sort of game where you've got a back six at the Dogs that have been awful for about six weeks. The most vulnerable back six in the comp. He should be just stamping that performance and say, come with me, follow me, boys. I'm going to put six contested marks on them. Keep, keep kicking it to me. Don't, don't, let's not buy into this. We're going to one target too often. Hey, keep coming to me. I'm the best player out here. We just don't see that from Max. So then, then you go to the next part. You can you can go through all of them. Brad Hill, the gap between his best and worst. Jack Billings, half the time I don't even know he's out there. Jade Gresham can go large chunks without impacting the game. Zach Jones, like I said, first half I didn't even know he was there. Mm. The half forwards, if they're not kicking goals, they don't touch it. 
They don't pressure. So what do you get? You have six or seven blokes you're trying to carry. So it just leaves too much to too few. And, and in the end, you get a result like that. Those two few were Cal Wilkie. Thank goodness he was out there for the Saints last night. It could have been a heck of a lot worse. He had a super game. Yeah, he's he's a very, very good player. But, you know, right, even even Rowan Marshall, well, they just go large periods without influencing the game. That That's a real concern. I mean, if you're talking system, I always track back to the coaching system. And then for Brett Ratton to say, that's not how we want to play, and this is what I demanded, and we didn't get it. I start thinking, are they are they actually really all together? Are they as one? And I'm not saying the dogs were as one. The dogs were, the dogs were saved by their midfield last night again, being being so proficient at clearance and their ability to score from clearance. They gave the ball. Their ball use was awful last night. They they, they took 27 intercept marks and killed it. Mm. And I reckon largely because the dogs just kept kicking to them. Well, if you watch Luke Beveridge in the post match, he was filthy. He was irritated until he warmed up, particularly over the last quarter, and he doesn't like his boys not following through and ramming the nail into the coffin. So he wasn't happy either at the end of the day, um, Jared. So that there's work to be done there as well. But obviously, clear when you win clearance by 20 and you're the Western Bulldogs, the writing's probably on the wall if you're St Kilda. Our crunch time, we, we sit. Adam Trelaw is going to join us from a Bulldogs perspective and we'll broaden our discussions into what took place at North Melbourne this week, but critically what comes next and the Lance Franklin discussion. Leon Cameron to join us in a few moments' time. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. The award-winning Crunch Time. Our Friday night breakdown for Werribee Isuzu. Upgrade your old utes into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. David King, Sam Edmund, Jared Waitley, Adam Trelaw coming up shortly. Uh, what did you think of the, the Buku Kamas move to centre-half back? Now, I saw Jared Healy fired a shot across the bow last <laughs> night. I reckon you were part of this, so you, you cranked him up, but I That's reckon. a little bit like when you fire a shot at Kane. <laughs> I'm just, I'm Switzerland. It's all happening around me. <laughs> no one believes that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a big believer in Aaron Norton going back. So can we start with that first? Hmm. Did you think their forward line gave great opportunity for a greater spread of players? So you, you probably see a bit more out of Jamara last night than you've seen for a little while. Yep, he kicks good. three, and and there's not there's that that unpredictability of where the ball's likely to go. So you got Max King at one end, every ball's going to Max, and everyone knows it's going to Max. So you can zone off, you can drop off. Now Norton's a star, kick forty plus goals for the year. I'm not I'm not denigrating what he does, but the game's won these days on turnover. So if you can create closer to eighty turnovers a game rather than the AFL average of seventy, you win. You, you win. doesn't really matter what you're doing forward of the ball. So I would love to see Aaron Norton down back, and I think he's a far better product than any other option they've got. But they're not going to change now. They're not going to change going into round 19, are they? They're not going to welcome him back from COVID and say, in you go to centre-half back. No, probably not, but they're not going to threaten either. So and what we'll, do you do? What do, you, do you set the game up for the player or do you set it up for the team? Yep. So we accept that that's your yep. pro- proposition. So what did you think of Buku? Yeah, really good. Won the ball back <laughs> quite a bit, but he, his kicking was awful. Um, so he's got to adjust to that and, and do some different things. That's why I'm saying it's, it's the level of investment. So Buku works because they don't have an interceptor. So now you've got to find either, either correct him and, and sharpen up his, his, his kit bag as, as, a, as a weapon with the ball 
And if you can't do that, you've got to find that that the elevated level of talent. That's why I keep – so I'm, I'm going to take this up with Healy during the week. Yeah, good stuff. And you off here because I still think you cranked him up. All right. I think we are in position now to, to head into the cupboard in Sydney with Leon Cameron. <laughs> Hello to you, Leon. <laughs> I've been locked up in the cupboard. Hey. Hey. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. The, the, the rain up here has been terrible and it's affected the wiring here at the SEM studio. <laughs> what did you think last night watching Friday Night Footy a week on from the dogs? I, I don't know what you guys have already discussed, but just watching it, look, clearly the back, uh, the Bulldogs are just way more efficient. Um, and when they win clearance, everyone knows that they're uh, very, very hard to beat. But uh, what I did like was, um, you know, some interesting, you know, players down the back line. You talked about Buku. Uh, Mitch Hannon went down there. Trelaw, you know, looks like he's, you know, just taken up that um, uh, new halfback role at times and he ran off and scored as well. So... I mean, we know Bevo is always going to uh, explore, and I, I just overheard you, Kingy, about um, the Norton debate and the discussion. Does he does he go back because he could be an All Australian and half back? Um, it's a real interesting one. They probably got that dilemma of is can Eugel Hagen and Bruce hold up the key forwards when they're playing against the big sides right now, currently, and they'd probably have to say no yet because Bruce is coming off a long term and Eugel Hagen's just developing his craft. So. It's it's a big one to change with five rounds to go, but um, I thought their backline looked pretty good last night. Can I ask you the question of the, the flip side of the coin? So you're Brett, put yourself in Brett Ratton's position for the moment, Leon. So he demands pressure, doesn't get it. They've got a set style of, of, of the way they want to use the football, and all of a sudden they decide to switch the ball into the corridor with what he called 40-metre hanging passes that are not part of their their mode. Where, where do you start? Is, is is it just a is it just a performance where you say, oh no, a few guys took things in their own hands, or do you say, sixteen without a tackle at half time? It, it's just almost a slap in the face for what you're trying to achieve in the back half of this season. Yeah, I think you always start with the number one and the non-negotiables, and that's the um, the intensity and the effort. And I think you know it was clear that in the first half when the dogs. Clearly rose, uh, you know, raised the bar in that area, and uh, their intensity was first class. And St Kilda, you know, struggled in that first half to go with them. Even at the start of the, sec- uh, the third quarter, when they come out after the halftime break in the first ten or fifteen minutes, so you always got to start there, um, and you've got to understand, you know, you've got to find out why and use that Monday, Tuesday to say, well, where were you? Where was the pressure? Where was the intensity? It was Friday night footy. Um, you know, was um, the hardest thing. What we don't know is what's happened during the week. And Brett Ratton's not going to turn around and say, hey, listen, we had eight people crook or we've got six people that's come off COVID. And and they're the things that people don't know because as a coach, you never want to come out and blame anything. Um, so that's the hard thing that we don't know. But they just look lethargic. They didn't look like St Kilda two weeks ago when they had a magnificent win um, under the pump with so many injuries. So um, you start there. And the second part is if you think you've probably gone off cue with – uh, you know, the way you move the footy, I mean, you've got to tackle those, you know, individuals in a really strong way. So, um, you know, and if that's the case, um, we've got to make sure, um, you know, those guys are not, uh, you know, going down their own path and, and coming up with a style of play that is not suitable for the, what you practice all summer. Do you feel, so they've fallen to 10th now from fourthly on they've lost five out of six. Uh, they don't have much to, to draw on right now. Do, are they just about out of business? Look, I think um, I think every weekend we discuss this sort of 
eighth, mm. seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth spot. And um, you know, firstly, you know, the Bulldogs have put themselves in a really good position after last night's win, even though their draw looks far harder than St Kilda's in the next few weeks. But then it flips over. But you can never say never. We were in a similar position right last year. You know, we were hanging on. We got beaten by Port and. You know, time was, you know, we went down to Geelong and pulled a miracle, you know, out of, the, out of the hat. And then all of a sudden it fell into place and we snuck into seventh spot. So, you know, St Kilda could win the next two. I think people were discussing that. And then all of a sudden spirit's up high again. And then when you get in that position, you you only have to nail one or two of the big ones above you and anything can happen. So I, I wouldn't be saying no, absolutely not. But they would be sitting there waking up this morning really disappointed with intensity on Friday night footy, and that's the main thing they have to address. It's been that way for six or seven weeks, though, Leon. That, that, that's, my, that's my problem, is that with the pressure side of the game, they're ranked 14th across the last seven weeks. So if that's, if that's the one non-negotiable that you've got at your football club, you haven't got much. Yeah, you're right, King. And, and, and if it's a trend, and clearly, you know, if you're looking at it for the last six weeks, then you look at, okay, do we have personnel or is it method? Um, they're the two things. And right now they're probably, you know, I, I understand young, you know, Jack Higgins has probably been challenged a few times in the last month about his pressure. You know, he's, he, he can kick multiple goals, but probably the pressure is something that is inconsistent. You know, Butler's probably dropped off a little bit in that area. So, um, yeah, uh, look... That's disappointing if it is the case the last four or five weeks, especially when the season's on the line. So they need to find that way. But again, Kingy, if they don't have the personnel to deliver that, then they need to quickly make some adjustments either in these next five weeks to see if they can salvage a spot in the finals or clearly over the off-season saying, well, if we want to play this way, we need some more pressure players. And the Bulldogs, so they go on a stretch where they play Melbourne, Geelong and Fremantle. So if they want to make it, Leon, they have to step through the, the premiership contenders right at the top of the ladder. Is Did they leave you with an impression that their game might be in order to challenge or did they just sort of rectify the ship after a couple of disappointing weeks? I love their first three quarters. I thought it was super. And I think anyone who underestimates the Bulldogs is... Um, you know, all of a sudden you could be uh, knocked over really, really quickly. So they'll be really disappointed in their last quarter because I think uh, Bontempelli in the interview afterwards sort of said that they've been up and down, up and down. And clearly that would say with results where they sit. Um, and so three-quarter time, they probably should have went in for the kill. It's disappointing that they lose a little bit of percentage. But um, look, oh, there's such a... They're such a really good team in terms of they're hard to beat because of their midfield. And if their midfield normally normally wins, nine times out of ten, if they're on, their midfield always supplies 50 inside 50s. The challenge is, is if that forward line can function, and it functioned in the first three quarters, as well as it did last night, then then all of a sudden they're, they're a massive chance. And I know those three sides you read out before, Jared, are a pretty daunting task. But um, you only have to win one. And then all of a sudden, your confidence lifts and you get the second. They got two out of three with their last two games. They're a massive chance to sneak in. Yep, they've set up their nine and eight. They come home with uh, the Giants and Hawthorne, who they've already beaten in recent times. So notionally, that gets them to 11. They've got to get one or two. I still think it's two, although their percentage is in relatively good order. Of these, so if they make it, they'll have won their way well into the finals. Do you believe in premiership windows, Leon? It's a, 
It's a really good question, Kingy, because, uh, I mean, let's just look at the history of the last, what, seven or eight years where sides have come from. I mean, where'd Richmond come from in 16 to 17, Kingy? Was it 15th, 16th to win? Yeah, they're out of the the eight at round 14, I know that. um, And then, um, you know, you talk about other sides that have come outside the eight and competed for, for... for grand finals and uh, look, it's yes and no because some freakish things can happen in footy because you can get a fantastic draw, you can get a magnificent run with injuries, um, you have a great off season before the next season comes and you land a free agent and all of a sudden you've come from 12th to, to competing. Have a look at Carlton. Carlton didn't play finals last year and I think we all sit here genuinely thinking that tonight's game is going to be a massive test. I still think Carlton are a massive chance to take it out because of what they're doing in their midfield. They've got the key pillars at the front end. They've got Wiedering back. So they're a genuine chance, but they didn't play finals last year. So in you know, terms they of, added a couple of players. In terms of these two teams, is probably where I'm specifically targeting, genuinely disappointing that they're considered in the window. St Kilda told us that 2022 was their window, and you would have to say the Dogs are in their window right now with this group, in the, particularly in the midfield. One of them misses the eight, if not both of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, when it gets down to that really fine line, you'd have to say on last night's performance, the dogs are more of a chance than St Kilda at the moment. But currently, I think the Saints need to address some playing stocks over the, the pre-season to address what they really want, want to do. We all know that. Um, but the Bulldogs could add, you know, you know, they've, they've had that um, history in the last four or five years of adding a free agent here and there to... To, to bolster their front end or their back end. Um, their midfield's intact and they've got a great young ruckman coming through. So it's a really hard one to answer, Kingy, because I, you know they come off a, a grand final last year and halfway through the third quarter they were in front and we know what happened after that. And, and did that take the sting out of them for this year? It may have. I underestimated that in 19 into 20. You actually don't have a manual to actually go to and say, okay, what do you do with a premiership hangover? Do you line everyone up and make sure they have a half an hour psychology report with someone to see, well, have you got a premiership <laughs> hangover? You actually don't know the full-on manual how to address that. So, you know, uh, I think the Bulldogs are probably in front of the Saints in terms of that premiership window. All right, Adam Trelook looked like he'd been repatriated into defence last night. He's with us on Crunch Time today. Ads, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So before we get to the nitty-gritty, the whole football world is transfixed by the oh. idea of the buffalo. The Cape buffalo. What Joe. is your understanding? <laughs> you gave us the horns last night. What is your oh. understanding of your coach's fable? Oh, well, one, one thing I've learned in my time in the last couple of years that um, the Western Bulldogs with Bever, he likes to, um, you know, most games, you know, go left field and um, just talk about some motivations and inspirations. So, yeah, this week we kind of um, touched on, on the buffalo and um, – you know, just the way they go about things, and yeah, something that we we um, motivated us throughout the week to to get out there and perform, and and that was just a nice little celebration. I seen one of the, my teammates do it earlier in the game, so I thought, why not after a goal? So there seems to be varying degrees of understanding <laughs> of, of this beast, as it were. How how much have you taken in, Adam? Would you pass a pop quiz on the buffalo? No. no. <laughs> no all I know is they spend in packs, so that's the only thing I know about it. And they're really big, and I think they can run something, I think it's like 56 miles per hour, considering how big they are. I think that's what I learned in the last week. So, um, no, they're, uh, they're big creatures. 
Love it. <laughs> Love it. David King. Hey, welcome to the halfback flank fraternity. Leon's uh, part, a major part of that. And, and uh, I would just like to welcome you officially down back. What, um, Thank you. Leon was just saying before we come on the show, he thinks you're far too disciplined at the moment, manning up. You need to zone <laughs> off a bit more. How are you finding it down back? Yeah, well, naturally that's kind of – when you think defence, you think um, manning up. That was kind of my the way I thought about it. And, and to be fair, um, last week's welcome to playing – you know, down back was, was a tough one, um, considering uh, the way that we played and the way Sydney peppered. But um, being able to prepare myself, you know, this week and, and work um, with the backs and, and build that cohesion and confidence um, in, in how we want to play and I want to play down there in particular, um, felt a lot more com- comfortable out there, I think. Um, one of the differences that we had as a defensive group um, was we were much more proactive and... Um, um, and reacted to the ball more so than our man and, and were able to come off and help each other out and, and really win back that footy and, and springboard into our into our attack. So um, I'm enjoying it down there. It's been, you know, something that I think if I were to feel comfortable and play outside of the midfield in terms of positioning, I think, um, you know, the halfback, I guess, kind of suits my strengths and my traits. Um, and it also helps that... Obviously, Caleb Daniel's not playing at the moment, so um, I'm sure he'll slot straight back in as soon as he comes back. But, yeah, I'm really enjoying it down there. It's, it's um, Yeah, like I said, I'm always trying to find ways to improve as a football player and add, add strings to my bow and, um, you know, play different roles for the team, and, and it's something that I'm enjoying down there. Interested in the, the intercept game. The, the, the Dogs haven't had a great intercept marker this season. You haven't been able to win the ball yep. back. Has that become a priority? You've gone down back, and it sounds like that's been the conversation with you. We see Buku go to halfback last night with yep. great success. Is that now becoming front of mind? Is that being pushed by Bevo? Yeah, I think it is, King. I can't. You know, we, we deal. You know, obviously mainly with um, with Bubba. Bubba's our defensive coach, and um, you know, Bevo kind of oversees things. But I think it isn't. You know, one thing that we don't want to rely on is relying on one individual being that intercept player. I mean, you you are going to come across, you know, stars of the game that are that intercept player. Guys like James Sicily and and Tom Stewart come to my mind who are really good at that. Jeremy Howard, Collingwood. Um, But we want to be able to, I guess, as a defense, put ourselves in position to come across and help out. Um, and, And like I said, when we do, when we play good footy, when you watch really good Bulldogs football, um, the way we defend, we, we come across and help each other. And it's not one person doing it, it's multiple players doing it. Um, and that, that is off the back of how we position ourselves as defenders. And, and as I just touched on before, last week we were super react, reactive. We weren't worrying necessarily about you know the play upfield, the way the ball was unfold, unfolding, the way the play was unfolding. We were worried about our man way too much. And, and in this day and age, you can't... You know, you need a, there needs to be a, a capacity to defend, but there needs to be a, you know, ability to win the footy back and put yourself in a good position to win the footy back. And I think, um, like I said, when we play really good footy like we did last night, we were able to do that. Um, and, and that's not taking, um, you know, no, no, respect to, no disrespect away from, you know, who we're playing on. But if we can win the footy back, it, it springboards us into attack, you know, more effectively and, and efficiently when we do win it back. So, um, yeah, I think, I think yeah, going into games it definitely focuses to be able to win the footy back and, and win it back with method. Adji Leon here. How are you, mate? I'm well, Leon. Um, I'm very well. It's really nice to talk you, to you, mate. 
Good, good man. You know, from halfback flank towards your thirties, you'll end up in the back pocket in about three weeks, don't you, mate? So can I you do. end up in the I'm, back pocket I'm, and over the fence. So. I, I do know that I am thirty next year, so I'm a little bit worried where I'm going to end up. But no, um, well done on you last night, mate. I mean, twenty-five and a goal off a you know second really game at halfback flank. Um, it's a system down in the back six at the Bulldogs. We all know it's a system, and you talked about not one individual in terms of, you know, um, intercept marking and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that you'll remain there when Caleb Daniel comes back and all of a sudden you've got two really good rebounders that can make great decisions? Because, you know, let's be honest, good on ballers that can go back there for periods of the time are very, very good at ground level. They make great decisions and their hands can really set you up rebounding. I know that probably hasn't been discussed yet, but can you see the two of you both playing down there? Yeah, it's a great question. and I actually genuinely have no idea. I I, um, I, uh, I like to think that now that I've been able to experience it and, yeah, show that I can play there and um, show that it, it can be something that we can look to and, and be effective, I think, you know, I think my first thought in terms of the question is, yeah, I think, yeah, why not? Why not uh, be able to play down there with Caleb? And also Bailey Dale, who's obviously, he, he cops quite a bit of attention when we, you know, when we are going well, um, you know, as a defensive group. And I know the last couple of weeks he has, he's copped it. Um, you know, he's, he's had that forward, uh, forward tag role from the opposition and he takes that in his stride. So I think, um, you know, with, with Bevo's thinking as well, that's, kind of a release for him to be able to send myself back down there as well and um yeah but again to answer your question I, I genuinely have no idea I think um I think it's been one where you know Bevo's wanted to see firstly how it how it's unfolded the last couple of weeks how I've gone down there how I've been able to position myself and play that role and, and I think you know I'd like to think that he's he's been pleased with the way we've gone about it and um can see that you know I can play there and and if if need be I will so I guess we'll find out soon because I think Caleb's tracking really well. I think, um, you know, yeah, I think he's going to return in the next couple of weeks. So it'll be an interesting one to see where. But um, as I touched on before, you know, you, you get to an age where, and, and well and truly now, I just want to, you know, play the best that I can wherever I'm playing for my teammates and whatever they need from me, that's where I want to play. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I am missing, I, I do miss the midfield. Um, I do watch the set of answers. I'm, it's, it's a great opportunity to watch, and I'm thinking well, it'd be nice to be in there. But I am enjoying. Uh, I am enjoying being down back. Well done, mate. Well done. Very nice, Sam. Adam, I wanted to ask you about COVID nineteen. That word that uh, unfortunately hasn't quite gone away. So obviously, you had the three players out last night, obviously, and I think Matty Spanger and Brent Prismal off the field. What's in place of Witten Oval at the moment, and is it a, a nervy time for football clubs at the moment with the reemergence of the of this virus? Yeah, I think it is, Sam. I definitely think it's a nervy time for most clubs. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of um, you know showed its face again, and, and people are going down, as you said. Not ideal, especially naughty. Naughty being um, mm. really, really important for us um, up front. Um, I, I, I know it kind of feels like that period where, when when COVID first came around, where we'll be being super precautious and, and wearing the face mask and social distancing, all those recommendations um, early days. It's kind of getting back to that feel for us at the footy club. We're just trying to take the best precautions going forward because. You know, as, as you were saying, you don't want, you know, to get to game day within 24 hours of the game and, and, and get notified that you're not playing because you've tested positive or whatever it may be. So, mm. um, you know, and that goes into everyday life as well. We've just got to make smart decisions with, with what we're doing because, um, you know, this last 
you know, five weeks of the regular season are extremely important for us, clearly, because we, we clearly want to play finals footy. And, you know, we're coming up against some really, really good opposition, the, the best of the best. So you, you want to make sure we're out there playing and, and not getting, uh, not missing games during COVID. So, yeah, we're taking all the necessary um, precautions going forward. And, um, yeah, hopefully those boys are feeling okay and they're back this week for us. And obviously a super result last night. and The side played magnificently for three quarters. But can I ask you about the last quarter? St Kilda, I think, nine scoring shots to two. How did Bevo react to the last half an hour of football in the aftermath? Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, You know, it is very disappointing because um, we pride ourselves on how we we want to defend and and, uh, to keep them the three goals, three-quarter time. And then, as you said, they kicked, I think, five or six in the last quarter. Which is, yeah, obviously disappointing when we finish like that. And you can't have those lapses against really good sides. And St Kilda's obviously, um, you know, they are a very good side. And when you want to, when you let them play on their terms, they're going to score quickly against you. And, you know, just imagine, you know, having those lapses this week against the Melbourne Footy Club, who, you know, are the benchmark of the competition, which we can't afford to do. So, um, yeah, we, we obviously touched on, um, you know, being able to play out you know, the four quarters. And it's the old cliche, but it really is. Make sure the attention to details there, the way we, you know, defended in those first three quarters, kind of went away from that in that last quarter. And whether it's you know that first kick out of defence for St Kilda, we we were shutting down early on. We weren't doing that in the last quarter. Um, you know, naturally teams are going to be a lot more aggressive and, and bolder with their ball movement when they're down by so much. Um, mm. We got to expect that and understand that. But then, you know, that creates opportunities for us to turn the ball over, which we just weren't able to do in that last quarter because feel like the sharpness just wasn't there in our legs and defence. So um, I'm sure it'll be something we'll touch on because um, we're always looking for perfection and um, we're always looking to get the best out of ourselves. And as I just said, when you you know if you do that against really good sides, especially the teams that are the best of the best, they're going to really hurt you. So um, we don't want to do that this week against Melbourne. Jerry, far be it for me to give advice to a young yeah. halfback yeah. flanker. But bribery, bribery always works. I've just, I've just gone online and I've had a look. Buffalo skulls, and I'm not advocating this, by the way. Horn length, horn length, forty inches. You can get them for three hundred and fifty wow. bucks at Skull Bliss. Now, I, I would recommend Adam buys one of these and just leaves it on the coach's office and say, "From your favourite halfback flank." I'll do that for you. Can you? I'll do that for you. You know, it won't surprise me if Bevo's gone out and actually done something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Ads, I've got to ask before we let you go. What out of ten? What would you give his illustration of the buffalo on the yeah. whiteboard during the week? Well, considering. Um, Oh, you, do you mean? Do you mean because he actually drew a buffalo? Yes, on the yeah. yes, um, that's what I mean. What oh, what, what would you I give it? The, I think, I, yeah, I think the drawing itself might have been a five out of ten. <laughs> right, okay, but, um, it's a pass. Yeah, the only thing, as I said, I took from a buffalo was they ran at fifty six miles per hour, considering miles how much they weigh. So, wow, yeah, something ridiculous like that. Very good, Adam. Great to have you with us. Good luck for what's to come. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Adam Trelaw from the Bulldogs. 50,000 members for the first time in the club's history. It was fan appreciation night last night, and they spent a lot of time in the aftermath lingering with those fans as they set up for this big run of three games. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. The award-winning Crunch Time. Going to talk North Melbourne and Lance Franklin's contract shortly. Sam, what's your read across the competition around COVID right now? We're on a slippery slope, aren't we? Isn't it amazing to think that during the week, in the same day, 
if you don't mind, that the AFL um, removed their vaccine mandate for players. No more than, what, three or four hours later, the teams came in and we've got eight players missing due to COVID-19 and, and, and a frightening amount of coaches as well. So I just wonder how we navigate this going forward. And it certainly upset a few, the fact you don't have to be uh, vaccinated anymore, but you're forced to miss a game of football. And Corey McKern and Lindsay Gilby have been quite outspoken about that. I just wonder how, looking at other sports, we see athletes who test positive and if they're if they've got a low viral they're actually allowed to keep competing at the moment Jared it's happening in the Tour de France as we speak so I wonder if we can get to a point going forward where if players are asymptomatic they've got low viral loads and then and the risk of infection is very low and we leave this to the experts that there is a way where these players can still keep performing. Leon how how decisive do you think I mean it's it's an impossible question it's just forecasting but how decisive could COVID prove the management of it over the last six rounds or, God forbid, in one of the mm. one of the weeks of the finals? Oh, look, I think everyone's on high alert. I mean, you only have to look at last Sunday, the Brisbane and Essendon. I mean, Brisbane come to a crunch match uh, down in Monica today against the Giants, and uh, you would have thought that they would have won that game if they hadn't had five or six out. And But the, the big question is, they play today, but the five that had COVID, what are they going to be like? Yeah. And so uh, what we've seen when I was in the program is that uh, it normally takes two to three weeks to get your players back up and running to play some really good footy. So if you have that in bulk and if it's affecting one line more than another, it's just it just throws you out. So it's, it's going to be unbelievably interesting over these next four or five weeks. If I'm Chris Scott, if I'm Simon Goodwin or Justin Longmuir, I'm encouraging all of my players to get to every nightclub this Saturday night. <laughs> I want it as quick as I can get it, Leon. I, I'm being serious. I want it as quick as I can get it through, the whole, through the whole club so it doesn't affect my final series. That's ridiculous. You don't want it to affect – if you have COVID walk into your club that is ridiculous. week one of the finals, you are gone. You are gone. If you if Geelong get eight guys with COVID week one of the final series, they're in trouble. They'd rather have it now. If Brisbane are going through it right now. I think it's a blessing for them. I really do. And it may cost them one home and away game. It may cost them two home and away games. But at the back end of the year, having been through it, recovered, ready to roll, it may be it may be a great advantage for them. It's hitting Melbourne I now. I think I think the challenge, Kingy, is probably where you sit. You know, I mean, clearly if there's a couple of sides that are sitting, you know, up in that double chance. We know how tight it is. Um, the, the challenge is you've got to get through the next four or five weeks, I suppose. And it, when you're coaching, you're always clearly the, – the art of it is looking at what's coming up this week, but then what's coming up in the next three or four weeks. So if you've got a full list and you've got some players that are – you know, you don't have a long injury list, then it, it helps to, you know, do what you're suggesting to have some players <laughs> have COVID now. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they're coming out the back end. But I think – the big thing the AFL has probably got to look at is how how much they're going to clamp down on the you know potential eight sides over the final series. Yes, and what what sort of lockdown can't, or bubbles they? would look like? But haven't they been on record saying they're not going to? Yes, but I think that's your position until you go. It could completely ruin the final series. We're taking protective action. <laughs> so I think your default position is to go. No, we're we're going right through, and then you they have a, a bye week to make an assessment of what's the risk. What's the best way to navigate it? What's the responsible thing to do for the competition? So I think it will depend on what happens in the community. And I don't think we quite know yet. There is an international study around returning from COVID and the propensity 
or the susceptibility toward tendon injury mm. in mm. the weeks thereafter. And that, that hasn't even started here yet. God, we got to crackpot theory early, didn't yeah. we? North uh, Melbourne and Lance Franklin loose, on Crunch Time. Loose Next. set they Jared. Hit the club. <laughs> Welcome to Crunch Time. It's the round 18 edition of Crunch Time. Last night, the Bulldogs over the Saints by 28 points. That's 9th and 10th. The pointy end of things tonight. Carlton and Geelong in a much-anticipated clash at the MCG and at the same time over in the West, Fremantle and the Sydney Swans. Leon Cameron and David King in place. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with you in what has been a, a busy week off fields and North Melbourne have lived it right at the pointy end. So we've got David King, a, a club legend. We've got Leon Cameron, who's lived a portion of this this year, and Sam Edmund, who's documented it every step of the way with searing accuracy as it has been revealed. Sam, what's been the fallout at Arden Street since Tuesday? Well, the Jeff Rolsh review is ongoing, Jared, but as we know, he's providing regular feedback to the board. So it was that feedback, just to rewind a little bit from staff and players, that just made it extremely difficult for the powers that be at Arden Street to not pull the pin on David Noble when they did. I mean, some staff raised some behavioural concerns, which, to be honest, have been something of a regular issue for David Noble. He just wasn't able to bring the whole club together in harmony. It's an issue that's been raised specifically with David Noble since last summer. He just couldn't or wouldn't change his ways in that regard. And then we had a section of the playing group, not all, not even the majority, but some made it blatantly clear that they would be seriously considering their playing future beyond this season if David Noble remained in charge. And then the fallout from that is the board challenge, which remains a live threat at the moment, Jared, to those who currently sit at that table steered by the president, Sonia Hood. So we're talking some names that will be very familiar to North Melbourne supporters this morning or this afternoon. Um, Mark Dawson, Francis Trainer, Kerry Good are among those agitating for change. They met Sonia Hood last week. They told her that they want four seats on the board and that they want her to even step down as president. This group has approached the likes of Wayne Carey, Dennis Pagan, Eugenia Rocker. All three of those men have declined the invitation to be involved, Jerry, but that hasn't stopped the rebel group subsequently name-dropping in their dealings with the club, which has prompted Wayne Carey himself to call the club to insist that he's not going to be involved with this. I'm not sure this goes anywhere. It might, but it might not. There's certainly a lot happening behind the scenes. And then there's Ben Amafio as the CEO, who, despite Sonia Hood guaranteeing he will be there for next year, you would have to say faces an uncertain future um, in terms of his place in the review, uh, the feedback for him, and what role he might specifically fill next year if he does stay on at North Melbourne. How it's a traumatic week at your old club, David. How have you taken it all in? Look, can we just talk about this ticket you're talking about with Mark Dawson and the like? If they're misrepresenting who's actually on the ticket to start with, shut it down now. Shut, what a nonsense. If they're t- telling people that Wayne Carey's on the ticket and he's not, mm. and that's your starting point, my God, what are you doing, guys? Uh, that, 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 that's laughable, really. We don't trust the current board, so we're going to tell you who's on, but don't trust what we're telling you mm. because it's not true. Mm. What a what a shocking starting point. Anyway, it, I think that it, look, this is as bad as it gets, isn't it? This is this is a club in crisis. Um, every step of the way, it'll be analysed within an inch of its life. Um, so right now, you've just got to make every decision a winner. You can't make any mistakes here. There's a no errors policy from here forward. 
The other thing, coming back to the football department, Jared, is um, in, in the more immediate term, is that John Blakey, who's a senior assistant down there at Arden Street, most, most unhappy with the fact uh, that he wasn't initially not chosen to be the interim coach, but then moreover, the fact that it wasn't communicated to him that he would be overlooked um, for Lee Adams, who's been coaching the VFL side as well. So you would assume that John Blakey, given they got him out of Sydney, um, paying him pretty significant wage as the senior assistant that most of the time he would be the one to step up as the interim coach. Uh, but it was more the method of the he communication. He did not have it communicated to him by the powers that be that he would not be the interim coach. He heard it from someone else and he wasn't thrilled with that either. Not the new board. You didn't hear from the new board. Did <laughs> not the new board had nothing to do with Leon, that. Leon, that sounds strange to me. I mean, if you're in John Blakey's position, how are you feeling? Oh, look, if that's the case, that'd be really disappointing. And I mean, again... The hardest thing is because you don't know what goes on in the walls of the kangaroos at the moment. But if if you're reporting that, Sam, to say, well, um, he found out secondhand, that would be really disappointing. They got him from Sydney. He's a really good, fantastic person. He's been in the mm. industry for a long time. We know about John Blakey. So, you know, clearly there's, you know, a lot of decisions that have happened this week at that footy club. And I think you summed it up before, Kingy, going forward. We can always look back and say, okay, let's pick the eyes out of it and what they did right, what they did wrong. And probably currently is not a lot right at the moment, but every decision going forward has to be the right one. It's as simple as that. And they, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, the senior coach in the next six to eight weeks or next 12 weeks, whether they make some further change, whatever recommendations Jeff Walsh makes, they have to make the right decision and get the right people in those positions because, you know, clearly there's been a, you know, a letdown in, in the past two or three years. If they rang you, Leon... And you're in a position to take the call. Let's let's just declare that. Would would the goings on of the football club over the previous two weeks affect your ability to to accept or deny the job? I think if they rang anyone, King, let alone myself. No, I'm ringing you. I'm ringing um, you. <laughs> are, are you part of that uh, breakaway not board? Good call, Leon. Hey, not that I know of, Leon, but I could. But. <laughs> um, look, I think uh, you, you, absolutely you'd have to make sure that um, what what what's the change going to be because, um, you know, key, key positions you're talking about, CEO, you're talking about, President, you're talking about coach and footy manager, all those key positions, where they sit, where they're at, and um, as much as what um, the next incoming coach would ask all those questions, um, he is wanting to know what sort of you know people uh, have been there in the past and what decisions they've made or been responsible for making in the past you know two or three years. The are you a believer, Leon, that this is not just a coach as messiah? It's there's a whole lot that North Melbourne needs to do within its administration. Where do you, where do you sit on the the overall picture of things? It's always interesting. I look. I think no doubt the coach holds enormous amount of responsibility for the weekend's results and what happens during the week um, to get those weekend's results. So it's when you take up that position, um, you you have to accept that. Regardless, you know, and um, it's it's so up and down. You know, if you win, you're the hero. If you lose, you're the villain. We know that as a senior coach. So, but I think you know, there's probably some deeper issues there. Just looking from afar and not knowing, um, you know, those you know clear facts, and that's always hard to comment um, about. But it looks like there's some probably deeper issues, and uh, they need to be sorted out. And um, what they are, I don't know. But um, you know, for a club to move forward, to give yourself any chance on a weekend or developing a young team, which let's be honest, is a, a team that's in this development mode. 
you have to um, fill all the right spots, and they might have them all filled. I just looking from afar, it looks like there there needs to be a, a few adjustments there. Do you think the rebuild coach actually gets a chance for success, Leon? This this is my bugbear, overarching, not just specific to David Noble or Mark Neal or wherever you want to go. And I, and I think Maddie Nix is probably living that right now. Your talent pools are, are low. It's going to take four, another three to four years to build quality. And in that period, you'll win one in every four or five games. And in the numbers the numbers get you in the end because boards get jumpy. Do you think we, the AFL need to look at this before we keep sabotaging more young coaches? I, I yeah, I I don't know the answer, but I think you're like you're right, Kingy, because if history shows the amount of coaches that have had three years, two years that have fallen out of the system because performances are not to the level that people want them to be, then the answer is yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I vividly remember my first year as a coach in 14, we got beaten by a couple of hundred points two weeks in a row. Um, we lost Toby Green to suspension for five weeks um, in between that over the bye. And I'm looking at it and going, I just need an unbelievably sound performance over these next three or four weeks to just steady the ship. Now that comes with having some experience around and the danger of having a rebuilding club is if you don't add experience in key positions, but equally key personnel. And I, and I think the hardest thing that David confronted this year was not having Ben Cunnington um, in the team uh, at the Kangaroos all year this year because he has significant weight in how they play and how the spirit of the place is and effort and intensity. Everything you love about football, he he, he epitomises. When you don't have those sort of players, and I was lucky enough to have Mumford and Davis and those sort of guys, your rebuild can go sideways because you're not having competitive losses. And one thing that we really focused on in my first year was, and then the second year was having competitive losses. Because if you have that, then you can steady the ship a bit. But if you don't have competitive losses, Kingy, as you alluded to before, the rebuilding coach is normally the one that goes straight away. Was North Melbourne right, David, to, to make their assessments 38 games in on all the measurables which are running in the wrong direction this season to declare it's just not working? Yeah, I, I like David Noble. And he's, he's really good to us. and It was great to us at Fox Footy. And I just think he was in the wrong role and, and probably made too, mis, too many mistakes early. You know, when you hear the reports back from the staff and the players that there was tension or there were issues, lack of trust, lack of support, that sort of stuff, you can't have that on top of the losses and the size of the losses that Leon's talking about. You need everyone working for you at football clubs, Leon. You need you need everyone united and all rowing the same way as soon as you haven't. And, and I think this was largely called by the three recruiting guys exiting at one clear point in time. Where it was, whoa, hang on. Everything's not right here. There are problems here. They were cold, weak. They were told they shouldn't work in the industry again. I see it as the opposite. That's incredibly strong to walk away from a paycheck that's going to keep coming week on week um, and a rebuild that's going to go for another five, six years. They said, no, we're not, we're not putting up with this. We're not working in, the, in these under these circumstances. I think the question, it's not a decision based solely on win-loss. So when we're talking about was he given enough time, we can debate that. But I don't think... 
well, we know that it's not just based on the 38 games. It's everything around it. Management of people, management of staff, management of young men, old men, bringing clubs together, whole of club approach just wasn't there in the end for North Melbourne. They, they thought they'd seen it. Well, they'd been told that they should have seen enough. What do they need from the, the coaching position? So there's obviously Alistair Clarkson's the first name put forward and Ross Lyon and Nathan Buckley is experienced coaches Alpha males, disciplinarians. This is a this is a rebuild that is now in a state of collapse, um, and the time frame I suspect revolves around exactly what you said is making a series of decisions that are right yeah. after a, years of decisions that I think have been wrong. Well, I'd like Leon's thoughts on this as well. I'm not getting caught up in the talent side of it at the moment. So Melbourne in 2013. Do you know how many players survived from Melbourne of 2013 to the to the Premiership year? Four. Four of 45. Max Gorn, Jack Viney, Tom McDonald, and one other who escapes me. It'll come to me in a moment. Um, four players. So th- don't get consumed by players that want to hold a gun to your head and say, oh, we're going to leave if you don't do this. Mate, you want to go? You go. We'll, we'll sort out a trade for you. No problem. And you know what? Your four might become three. It's not going to matter. Get your club in order. Get your standards right. Get your disciplines right. Prepare like professionals. Play with play with a passion that represents the club, that represents the jumper, regardless of what jumper that is, and, and grow. And when, whether it takes you six years, four years, eight years, no one knows that. You can't plan for that. But but don't get held to ransom by players that that are probably in all likelihood not going to be there. Your thoughts yeah, on that? I, yeah, I know absolutely. I think it's uh, the number one, absolute number one thing that you have to do because I mean when we're up here. At, at the Giants, there's always going to be you know, that threat of some players leaving or going back home to Victoria, South Australia or, or Western Australia. You can't adjust to that. And you have to make sure that inside the four walls, you've got everything that you, you know, believe in building a football club. And, um, you know, you reeled off Clarko, Ross Lyon and Nathan Buckley, those sort of guys. I've seen that before. And so if that, that the next incoming coach is, if that means that one or two players comes disgruntled because of the direction they're heading, but the entire club is heading in the right direction. That is absolutely the first thing you need to get right. So Jones was the fourth player, but he wasn't actually in the premiership side. He was still at the club at the time. So do you think, Leon, is is the North Melbourne job a good job or is it going to be over such a period of time that that it'll be difficult to survive again? No easy answer because we just discussed before uh, – King, you mentioned, is the is the young coach a chance in a rebuilding club? Um, my opinion is any job in the AFL as an, one of the 18 coaches is a good job because they're very hard to get um, and timing is everything. Everything has to line up. Um, and, look, the, we know that there's some people that in the past that have had wonderful coaching um resumes that can probably pick and choose a little bit more than others. And there's nothing wrong with that because of where they've been and they've won premierships and all that sort of stuff. But any coach for a young coach is a great opportunity because it might never come up again. Um, What I will say, though, the writer is that if a young coach came into the North Melbourne, you want to have every pillar beside them um, fulfilled in the right manner and the direction is all very, very clear. And whether that's four years of direction, five years of going, this is where we're going to be. We're going to build the walls. We're going to make sure the foundation's right. 
Um, yes, we're going to make sure we have some competitive losses. We'll bob up and win every now and again. Don't worry about the win-loss ratio. We'll worry about that in year four. If that's all right, then any job's a good job. And, you know, you can't look at it and say, oh, look, they're down the bottom. They're going to finish 18th. You know, I remember in 1996 playing for the Bulldogs. Um, yeah. uh, we finished second last and Chris Graham was going to Port Adelaide and a young supporter gave him 50 cents yeah. in the... In That's the right. uh, in the race and said stay and uh, that added to his salary and he stayed. So uh, <laughs> he he um he stayed and we turned around and played off in a prelim and Nelly was playing in a grand final the year after. No one wanted to come to the Bulldogs. So it turns around it turns around really quick depending on the people you can get in. Maybe a young Sydney fan, an enterprising <laughs> Sydney fan, needs to hang fifty cents over to Buddy at the race well, during the week just to get that deal sorted. Fifty cents ain't what it, what it used to be, Jerry. But I think um, I think Leon's right. I think if a, a young coach is going to take that role now, the support crew, the pit crew, need to be guys that have been through this. So uh, look, let's just say Adam Uze got the job. I'd love to have Leon Cameron, James Hurd, and Justin Leppich below him. I'm just plucking three names. But guys who've seen it all, been through it all, and can just be just just a steadying hand on the shoulder. And, hey, listen, you sure you want to do this? You know, this long game here, long game. You know, and just keep straightening things up and build an environment that, that is relaxed. There's so much tension comes with losing with young coaches. And, and in the end, it becomes become self-defeating. So I think if you're going to go young at the top, you've got to have a great experience below. And if you go great experience at the top, it doesn't really matter. Or do you go a young coach in waiting with an experienced man coaching in the here and now with a succession plan in place? Yeah. Clear and defined. Do succession plans work? They have done. Yeah. And they haven't done. But can you see them going with an inexperienced coach for a third time in a row after everything we've seen? Best option. I don't know what the best option is, but the Kangaroos will work out what works for that club, what they're looking for. Um, I think you, you ask Lyon, you ask Clarkson, if they say yes, you're probably sorted. One of them says yes, you're sorted. If they both say no, you say okay. Well, our best option now is to ask these five, six people to, to interview. If they don't want to interview, that's fine. As Leon says, you just keep, you just keep widening mm. your search until someone says this is a pretty good job to grab while I'm here. Yeah. There are some really good assets out there, not not the least of which Leon Sue's with us now. And then there's the group that we all think, so from Ash Hansen, Jamie Graham, Adam Uze, and... G and Syracuse. Daniel G and Syracuse. Is yep. like, there's a very real potential. There's a couple of gems in there. Mm. And then we've got um, Leon, who's experienced so much. And then we've got the top end uh, of of Clarkson, who we all feel is available, Nathan Buckley, who's said not for the time being, but I suspect it's a never-say-never, and Ross Lyon. So I actually think all three categories are pretty well populated at the moment to go through a coaching process. And there's no right or wrong, Leon? No, absolutely not. And um, as I said before, I mean, any job in the AFL, if you are ready to take that position up, is a very, very good job. And I know people look at the, the ladder right now, and we always live in the now, but, um, you know, we should be playing this conversation back in about four years and uh, discuss where North Melbourne are then because if the right people, the right person to take the position, but equally the right people around that person, whether it be young, whether it be experienced, the kangaroos will turn this around 
Let's I've got li- no doubt. Let's live in the now, Jared. I could get a removal truck to Leon's place within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Straight for Arden Street. We, we can get it sorted. I, I'm barely saw, sorting out the wiring up here, boys. <laughs> hey, Leon, could you imagine Lance Franklin in another Guernsey next year other than the Swans? No, no. I've seen that early in the week. And, uh, look, no doubt, um, uh, let's be totally honest, there'll be a, there'll be a little bit argy-bargy there because, I mean, he's coming off a you know a nine-year deal that's worth a, a fair bit of money and well-deserved, let's be honest. He's been fantastic, not just playing on the field but off the field up here. Um, and so the shock of then dropping down and whatever that first offer is, I mean, we don't know again. That would be a bit of a shock, and so it only takes one murmuring for that to get out. But I'm pretty sure that you know wherever the swans started and whether whether where Lance wants to get to, they'll find a happy medium. Do you think it's important for both parties that they finish their journey together? Is it is it important for Lance's legacy that he finishes there, or, or I, I sort of feel like it is. It, it's not. I, I, it's not an easy yeah. decision to nick off somewhere and play your last one or two years. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think he's embedded in Sydney. He loves the Swans. I think it'll get, absolutely, I think it'll get taken care of. And uh, it is important because it's a feel-good story for the punter, who, who the supporter. I remember when Doug Hawkins finished at the Bulldogs and, mm. and went to Fitzroy for a year. I didn't realise it because I was only a young player, but it left a huge gap. And I, I, it didn't sit well seeing Dougie run around with Fitzroy. Nothing against Fitzroy at the time, but mm. it just didn't seem right. Um, I don't think this seems right. I think it'll get sorted. There's only one of us can talk when you're talking the levels of finance involved, Sam. There's only one of us in this conversation that can that can chat about this sort of stuff. Go on. He's on our left. I don't want to look initials at initials are GW. I don't want to look at him. <laughs> Why do you He's say that? He's staring me down. <laughs> what would you do, money man? <laughs> it was interesting to hear Liam Pickering this morning from yeah. the So we've all I think the intellectual exercise is fascinating. This what what what's the right number? to acknowledge Franklin's status in the game, his worth to a team, balanced against his 36 going into the next season. And, and Liam Pickering, who did the contract last time around, said it's 700. Yep. He, would ask he said 500 is low ball. So it hadn't struck me as that. I think the answer's in the middle, and you can get to the middle easily enough. But it was interesting to hear Liam say straight up mm. that, that he would regard that as a low ball offer. I think there's frustration at Sydney that that isn't really the offer. Yeah. So I think the numbers are wrong. At at what end? The bottom and the top end? I think all the numbers are wrong. Yeah. Really? I do. I do. So too low and too high? So 500 is not right? That's too low? I think the numbers are wrong. Right. That's that's the... the, the mail that I'm getting, and that makes it it makes it a hard discussion to have yeah. and frame yeah. it. And so, if this gets resolved in the next couple of weeks, then we'll look back and go, yes, it was just a bump. If if he's still out of contract come oh. August, then it, it becomes more it interesting. Would, it, it, interesting, bordering on unthinkable. You just can't imagine that he would leave. They made them sign statutory de- declarations. The AFL, Jared, it led yeah. to the abolishment of cola. It's ten million over nine years, and at the end of all of that, we're going to sit here and watch him leave over the over what. 100, 
two hundred, whatever it might be, whatever the figures are, thousand dollars. What if he went to the Gold Coast, though, Jerry? <laughs> this is if you actually what let the did? imagination run. Come oh, with us, right? If totally. you let the imagination run, <laughs> Gold Coast yes. they got those fifty. The Gold Coast don't, don't even have fifty cents that you, you spoke know, of. The before. ultimate irony would be the AFL kicking in for the extra services agreement. Yeah, so, no, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm happy to sit against you on that, Sam. You shake your head. Is, yeah. There's no way. If the asking well, okay. price for Franklin was 650 Then that's a different conversation. There are very few clubs who couldn't shuffle to come up with 650 Correct. And when you say Don't shuffle, money with Jared, it mate. would be I'm telling you, you'll significant lose. shuffling at Gold Coast who are tight up to pussy's bow with, with the salary cap. No, I think if you said, oh, by the way, you can have next year with Ben King on return an eager Lance Franklin, Stewie, mm. he's called Stewie Jew and said, this is on. Mm. I don't think they then, would have any trouble finding you know, the 600. Don't do it, Sammy. Do you know what Craig Cameron's most used word would be if that would be the case? What? Defer. Defer, defer, defer. We'd be pushing more kick. money down the road at Gold Coast than you've ever seen. Kick it down the road. Yes, kick, kick the, the can road. down, Leon. <laughs> I think Leon's in. Hey, well, speaking of kicking cans down the road, I mean, this is a situation with one of Leon's former yeah, players. Actually, we'll just hold oh. that. I want to come back to that. I don't want to squeeze the time. So I, if you if you did the imaginary exercise, so I fully believe he's staying in Sydney. We all do, I think. I think there's, I think there's a long queue, not a short queue. No. I think there's a long queue if the asking price is only six hundred. Well, I love Craig McRae. He See, just—he didn't even bother Craig McRae. He just said, "We'll have him." Yeah, I love him. It's a little window into Jared too. It's only six fifty. Only six. A little window into Jared. <laughs> if you've quarantined, so I just want to—if you have quarantined six hundred and fifty grand for Dan McStay, David, he's staring at me. If you're prepared to pay six hundred and fifty for Dan McStay, and you've already quarantined that money, yeah. And that you ring and say, "Oh, you can have Lance Franklin instead." <laughs> That's a rhetorical question. So you isn't think it? Chris Fagan? Could call him and say, out McStay in Franklin. So hang on. No, Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah, but Franklin v McStay, you say it's a not even a not even a, you're not thinking even a about debate. It. So Franklin plays for how many? One, one or two. And McStay's around for another seven. It solves you. There'll be another Dan McStay at 650 in two years' have time. have to put another level on the Southern stand or the, the Warren stand <laughs> if we, he goes to Collingwood. Don't forget to check out the AFL record this week when you go to the footy, particularly tonight, Carlton and Geelong. It's their biggest encounter since the 95 grand final. The level of expectations is just off the charts. Can the Blues handle what the Cats will give? And if the Blues win, it's their biggest win since when? We might ask Sam Edmund to answer that before Ooh. we're done. We continue with Crunch Time. Next. regularly. Award-winning crunch time. We're gearing up for the games today, thanks to Dometic. Go your, on your own adventure, Dometic.com. We will talk those games in a few moments' time. But we've got Leon Cameron and David King here. We we should just, with Franklin and Martin in the conversation around where they're going to be in clubs, we should just delve into a couple of old war stories. Oh. Leon, did you think Buddy Franklin was coming to the Giants <laughs> in 2014? Yes. Absolutely. Um, he, I met with him a couple of times, but he never, to his credit, he never said that I'm coming to your footy club. I'm looking to move. And then clearly um, when it got to that real pointy end um, and then the bombshell hit that he was moving to Sydney but wasn't to the Giants. And so it was a big shock. Um, I coached him the year before at Hawthorne, so I had that relationship. But then, um, yeah, he uh, the best-kept secret in town. It got. Uh, he then made that decision to go to the Swans. 
Leon, can I ask, just an extension of that, was he, in your understanding, ever coming to GWS or was it what Dave Matthews described as being led down the garden path? Well, I suppose the only person who can answer that is Lance because um, he never – we thought that, you know, we were in the box seat to get him. Everyone knew that and we're not, we weren't hiding away from that. But um, mm. uh, everyone probably took their eye off the ball and forgot the swans and then – um, but he's the only one that can probably answer that. He said, well, did I change my mind halfway through or towards the back end? I think that clearly, if you look back at history, he was probably intended to go to the Swans from the very start and probably just had to find a way to massage his way through until that decision had to be made. And can I, can, I'm fascinated by the secrecy that was that was enveloped around this at the time. That's what made it so extraordinary. Now, I think from your point of view at, in, at GWS, you might have heard the rumours throughout the year, but you dismissed them as fantasy that Sydney could possibly do this after Kurt Tippett. Is that the case? When did you actually, I guess, first hear something on the grapevine and then um, were able to establish it as fact, if you like? Yeah, I think it was... Um one of those situations where you were when this significant announcement <laughs> happened. I, we just started hearing the murmurings uh, a couple of hours out that, uh, listen, he's coming, but he's not coming to us. Oh. It looks like he's going to the Swans. And <laughs> as you can clearly see, oh. <laughs> um, there was probably a bit of panic stations and uh, what didn't, you know, didn't happen uh, in the manner that we probably thought it might have happened. Um, we sort of thought, well, okay, where do we go from here? And um, we moved into phase two and, and that was Mumford and Shaw. Mm. There's a rumour that you weren't prepared to play Franklin's Paddock out at, uh, <laughs> out at what was Skoda at that stage or Skoda. Giant Stadium, whatever you're calling it at that stage. Franklin, Boyd, Patton, Cameron. <laughs> the, paddock, the paddock was too big, Kingy. <laughs> too many buffaloes. Were you a bit flat when you found out? Can you, can you remember exact, the exact moment when you learnt that he wasn't coming? It was coming into my first year and, um, you know, you, you, again, you don't have a manual um, for senior coaching. You can best prepare yourself as an assistant. But then, okay, everyone's looking at you and going, okay, well, Franklin's got a relationship with you and all of a sudden he's now going to another club. It happens to be the arch rivals. Everyone's looking at you going, what are you going to do now? <laughs> That's the first decision you've got to make. But, uh, uh, look, no doubt uh, you were a little bit flat, but you, you move on pretty quickly. And then I think within about you know a day or so, we're, we were talking to Mumford and Shaw anyway, regardless. Yep. And then uh, and then that um, you know fell our way, and we were wrapped that those two guys come here because they had fantastic careers at the Giants. Did you feel in a serious uh, question here, serious manner? Did, did you feel dudded by the deal at Sydney? It was such a huge deal in terms of tenure and finance. Did you feel like? They'd usurped you a fraction? No, not really. I mean, if you look at it, um, I mean, both clubs were clearly offering big deals and you know, can, you can debate and argue which one was the best one. It probably sounds to me, and I've never sort of sat with Lance and sort of said, hey, listen, what actually went on in that six months when you're playing with Hawthorne? <laughs> you're playing in a, you know, in a final series, you're playing in a grand final and all of a sudden you've got to make a decision. Uh, was were we, were we actually any chance? It seems to me that, you know, clearly he wanted to move away from Melbourne um, the east of Sydney is probably the area you wanted to go, as we as we found out. And then um, he just had to massage that in the best possible way between the three or four people, as you said, Sam, before, the best-kept secret in town, and without hurting anyone's feelings. And so, King, you asked me, do you feel dudded? I think he was just in a really, really hard position that he, he, he couldn't say anything. So, you know, and... Um, 
you you feel let down for that first initial half an hour when you when that you know hits that news, but then you got to move on pretty quickly. So where in the timeline was Dusty? Touring the facilities of the Giants, <laughs> Leon, were you with the hard hat? Yeah, were you already there? Were you? Where does that fit? <laughs> Are you picking off me? No, I, I just... can't get talent at the Giants. <laughs> we're going Franklin. We're going Martin. Who, who, else, who else didn't to? come? <laughs> the, what might have been? I tried stories. to get you up here, Jared, but then you said no. You're a little bit too expensive, Jared. Is what you, said. you got Shaw and um, Mummy. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried um, about this. No, that was a different conversation. Uh, if you remember back, I think it was 13, um, the year before Franklin. I think it was. Uh, he was sort of thinking about moving elsewhere. I, th- I know his manager was, you know, out there a little bit trying to probably promote Dusty Martin a bit more than the average player in terms – and let's be honest, he is he's, he's a bit more than the average player. And so he came up and his father was from – you know, his late father was from Western Sydney, clearly great relationship. Um, he came up and we sat down and we, me and him just had a coffee at a cafe. And in the end, the conversation was, I sort of said to Dusty, do you, do you really want to come up to our footy club? Because we will look at that. Um, um, and what are the reasons why? And uh, well, he thought, oh, maybe getting out of Melbourne, Sydney, maybe a little bit anonymous, all that sort of stuff. Dad's up here. All the things that he said. And I said, how do you get on with your coach? And I haven't even coached yet, Dimmer. And he said, Dimmer's a star. I love Dimmer. Um, I reckon he's a fantastic coach. How do you get on with your players? Um, I love the players. I know we haven't had the greatest success yet, but I love the players. And I said, well, mate, do you really want to move? I said, as much as what we would like you, um, I said, do you really want to move from your current footy club? And he sort of looked at me and thought, yeah, you probably got a good point. And we sort of, the the conversation sort of piddled out and we sort of got on to some other things. and, And that was about it really. And so I think whether I talked him out of it or into it, I don't know to yep. this day, but um, the next day or two, I think he made his decision that he wanted to stay at the Tigers. Could you imagine a scenario where he's in the Harbour City next year? Well, going by all the rumours um, that, you know, he's probably, you know, it's knocked him around a bit because of what's happened with his personal life and, and his father. Um, is he looking for a bit of change? Clearly, he's not the same Dusty that we've seen you know, those years of premierships and Norm Smiths and Best and Ferris and all that sort of stuff. So <clears throat> I can clearly see that something's murmuring in the background and, and you'd have to be a sceptic to not think, oh, well, they've done it before with Franklin. Could they do it with Martin? Uh, but again, it's an interesting one because then you've got cap issues and it's not as easy as just saying, okay, let's take Dusty Martin's contract for the next two years or can they blend it out? But there, there has to be something there because there's no doubt um, he's not in the he's not playing the footy that he probably was a few years ago, and does he need some change? So it's going to be really fascinating what plays out in the next two months. Mm. Um, Sam, you, you alluded to uh, an old warhorse of Leon's. That's um, might, he might be coming to the end, Phil Davis. It was hard not to just feel that tremendous emotional pang when yeah. he went down again How last could you week. Not? How could you not? Three games back, hamstring surgery again on the menu for him. I think next week he'll see Julian Feller and, and go under the knife, uh, which is um, ugh, just uh, your heart did sink for him, didn't it? So he's he's contracted next year, I think, by virtue of the fact that, um, and Leon will correct me here if I'm wrong, but he's done the club a favour basically and deferred money into 2023, pushed him, kicked the can down the road, if you like, 
like. So he is owed a sum of money. So if he plays on, and let's hope he does, then he plays on. But if he retires, then GWS uh, have got, uh, I guess, a situation whereby he is owed a, a, a pretty substantial sum of money. Now, what they can do there is put him on the rookie list. You know, they've got, I think, eight spots there, to, to be honest. So that's not a problem in itself, taking up a rookie list spot. But when they do that, I think clubs get an eighty to ninety thousand dollar discount. So eighty to ninety thousand on a rookie list wage counts outside the cap. So not so much a big deal when you've got a, a player playing for next to minimum chips, ninety thousand, eighty thousand outside the cap. That's fine. But when you're someone of Phil Davis's stature, then it, it does bite a little bit harder. So we know the Giants are, are, are tight on the cap. Look, Jason McCartney told Dwayne that yesterday. Admittedly, like a lot of clubs at the moment, you pay it to your ceiling. But it would be far from ideal if he is sitting there, um, having retired, having chewing up, um, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in the cap and not being able to play if he retires. And let's hope that's not the case. What's your What's your gut yeah. feeling on Phil, Leon? Yeah, look, I spoke to him during the week. Um, clearly, he was shattered, and you know he does go in next week. I think I think Monday or Tuesday he's, mm. he's getting that tendon reattached, and so you know he's a wonderful, wonderful player, captain, and you know he's just short of two hundred games, um, and his leadership is second to none. He just he calls it as you see it, and you need people in your footy club like that. He's got a you know a strong personality, but equally he's got a caring nature as well. So he's been a a super person for that footy club. and the, But you know, if you had to make a call, this is a huge hurdle to get over. He's had a hamstring in the early part of the year. Now he's had a, this hamstring, which is clearly a massive operation. And he's probably sitting there thinking, you know, early next week when he's getting operated on, his time is up. But, uh, and Samuel alluded to that he has kicked money down the road because he always wanted to win. Mm. Um, he wanted to win, and he's a selfless person. And if that meant bringing in player A, B, or C, that the, you know, that give the Giants a chance to win, he would always do that. So, you know, fingers crossed that he comes out of the operation, he may think about playing on, but it's it's going to be a huge decision for him and, and also the club because you don't want to lose a player that's just sitting there that can't contribute, uh, considering, you know, you need everyone on deck uh, mm. at the start of 2023. How important that he gets to 200 for the football club, Leon? Oh, look, my milestones are massive, Kingy, but at the end of the day, it can't be uh, to the detriment of anything you try and do. As The footy club is always bigger than the individual, as we know. But, um, I mean, there's good stories, and there's, I mean, there's a number of players that have missed out on that 200-game mark that have either fallen short because of injury, and, you know, hopefully that's not the case with Phil. I mean... It would be great for him because of what he's done, but um, but equally, it's got to be the right decision for both player and club. The bounce back game for Juraveg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. Just set the terms for the Brisbane Lions, Kingy, this afternoon. So they this game was only six or seven weeks ago, and the Giants jumped them. That was at the Gabba. Brisbane, a high octane game, found their way through to get the win. They're in the just. They can't muck this up this afternoon, the Lions' territory. Yeah, and, and we all think that there's a bit of lag from this COVID impact. Mm. So <laughs> they're in a world of pain at the moment. They're really struggling to defend, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Chris Fagan has a lot of options. I, I think they're they're narrow on depth. There's, there's no doubt about that. I don't think they bat down to player 28, 29, 30. Yeah, they get really inexperienced. And vulnerable when they hit that that range. So this is this is a they've got a couple of sticky weeks ahead of them, and and again, they're sitting in, they're sitting fourth on the table at the moment. The gap between fourth and fifth is pretty big. It's pretty big if you're going to win the flag this year.
We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic Make Your Next Adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. We'll salute Scott Pendlebury and we'll zero in on these two big games tonight and how they might affect the shape of things to come. The award-winning Crunch Time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. There are 80,000 of us who are so revved up for what's coming tonight at the MCG. The rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. It'll be Carlton and Geelong. Leon Cameron, what's what's in tonight from a, a season perspective? Oh, look, it's youth, experience. Um, I mean, Carlton have been absolutely magnificent this year, and um, I think they'll take it right up to the Cats. I think we're going to see a cracking game. If you look across all the lines, there's battles within battles. And, I mean, the midfield battle, I mean, the, the older midfield of Geelong v the youthful and new midfield of Carlton. Both sides have got two key forwards that are pretty special. <laughs> um, and both sides have got three or four little small pressure players in their front end that, you know, support the two tools. So, look, I, I, look, I think um, I, I take a line back when St Kilda knocked off Geelong about seven weeks ago. I think Geelong were up by about three or four goals at half time and St Kilda come out and played really fast brand of footy over and over again. Now that was under the roof and then it got a hold of Geelong. If Carlton can replicate that, and I don't know what the weather's like down there. If Carlton can replicate that ball movement that we've seen in the first quarter against West Coast and for most of the year, let's be honest, their rebound with their guys half back um, in Saad and um, Newman and Doherty. If they can rebound really, really hard on turnover and I know Geelong defensively set up really well, better down at um, their home ground rather than the MCG. I think the Blues are going to take a hell of a lot of beating tonight. I think Geelong will smash them at contest. <coughs> no, I'm serious. I'm thinking I'm, Geelong is seriously tough. No, no one talks about how tough Geelong are. They are, they are brutes in the middle. Mm. Atkins is having a fantastic season, and we know about the rest. So I, I, I think... The Blitzarves rolling, Ruck rolling onto Cripps, rolling onto whoever else he wants to roll onto is the is the one thing you can't plan for as a coach. Beware the Blitz. He's unbelievable. He, he should be he should be in the All-Australian team, and I don't care what position you start him in because he's not going to finish there. Put him on a wing and, and don't pick a second Ruck. I, I think this the uniqueness of this guy will allow them some luxuries, but I, I think Geelong is seriously tough. I don't know where else Colin, uh, sorry, Carlton can get them outside of that midfield toughness. If, yep. if they get beaten there, I'm a massive fan of what Geelong are doing, Leon. I'm not sure where, the, where you sit with them, but I, you know everyone's talked about them in the last week or so. But this has been building for about eight weeks. Their profile is the profile of a Premier. Yeah. Look, there's no doubt. Um, I think we were all a fan of that. And their last week's performance down there um, was, was first class against a really good opposition in the Demons. So the, the challenge, I suppose... Kingy is that their last seven or eight weeks has been first class, but they they have this ability to sort of have some fade outs as well, and have lost some games that they probably shouldn't have lost. Now everyone's going to go through that throughout the year, uh, and I do agree. I, I reckon Atkins has gone to another level in terms of toughness. We know Selwood, we know Dangerfield, we know those guys are really tough, and Atkins is like suicidal. He's unbelievably tough, and he's added that 
extra bit of grunt around that midfield, which is a great move. But I also think Carlton are tough as well. And um, look, it's it's sort of like every year a good young team always wants to judge themselves against the best. And right now Geelong sit on the top of the ladder for a reason. And I just think Carlton will take it right up to them. Sam, if it happens for the Blues, biggest win since when? (laughs) I can't wait for my – I'm already just itching for Monday's snap judgments. Don't do this to him. No, 99 prelim or 95 again. premiership. Yeah, it's one of those two. And then you think they played a final from ninth and rolled Richmond. So that was big in the moment. You know, Andy Mars call of the Chris Joe goal will live on forever. We won't let him forget that. But I think you've got to go back to 99, the prelim, that, that had Carlton supporters on grand final day. And I was there not even really that disappointed they got rolled by Kingy's mob because they played their grand final the week prior by ro- oh, knocking off the old mob by a point, Kingy. Leon, I can't listen to that. <laughs> it's going to be so Turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, <laughs> Ringwood and Dandenong. We have to salute Scott Pendlebury in a moment, but let's have a bit of a dabble. Enjoying crunch time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, indeed. Let's go to Dabble HQ where we find Joshy Jeans. Josh, what's happening on the Dabble app, mate? Yeah, g'day, Sammy. Good to be back. Uh, yeah, plenty happening. And uh, one of the good things about Dabble is that, you know, you get to follow the experts, follow the people that know their stuff. And some of those ambassadors get offered rocket bets from the Dabble traders. And uh, last night, we would have lost a bit of money. Daniel Reed had Steele and Bonson Pally to combine for 55 or more disposals. That was paying 260 which I think we're just... Ridiculous odds to offer, but yeah, about 100 people copied that one. So no doubt the Dabble Traders are are opening up a a bit of a loss on the spreadsheet this morning, Sammy. Right, so what have the Crunch Time (laughs) team got for today then, Joshy? I love it. We're going back to basics. We're going to favourites today. Uh, Lions into the pies. Uh, The Tigers to get the job done against North. The Cats to beat the Blues and uh, the Dockers to get it done over the Swans. What do you like there? What could possibly go wrong when you're going for the fact? <laughs> Not like it's an even season at all, Josh. I fail to see how we could trip up in any of those. Well, I can't see North winning for the rest of the season, although they were close last week. But that Cats-Blues game, hopefully yeah. it, uh, it lives up to the hype, that's for sure. But, uh, as Sammy, the easiest thing we know what to do, you download the Dabble app, you follow the Crunch Time AFL team, and you just have to hit that copy bet button with one click and you're away. It's that easy. So go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter. Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Scott Pendlebury is about to be the 20th player in league history to reach 350 games. Leon Cameron, give us a, a word or two on Scott Pendlebury. Uh, thank God he didn't smother Shane Mumford in the 2019 <laughs> yes. uh, prelim final because we wouldn't have been playing the next week. Look, we all know uh, how good he is. I mean, I, I read an article during the week about uh, you know the longevity of, of how he plays the game and we all know it slows down when he has the footy and all that sort of stuff. But he's been incredibly tough and I support the article. I can't remember who wrote it. Incredibly tough on playing week in, week out. He's had some leg issues. Very rarely see him come off. He plays a huge amount of game time. He plays in the midfield every week. Um, he's adapted to the halfback flank role. Uh, he's a wonderful servant. And, um, you know, the way he's going, he could probably punch out, you know, another one or two years and get close to that 400 game mark. It does feel that way. Sam, you've got a 
quick word on Pendlebury. I just think Doc Emmett Brown comes to mind famously, Jared, as a man who could go back in time. But as Leon just touched on, uh, Scotty Pendlebury invented time standing still. And anyone who can bounce the ball off a pigeon is sublimely skilled as well. There you go. We had crackpot theories at both ends of the yeah, program. He's, well hunt, he's hunting down Brent Harvey. He'll get him, Jared. Oh. He'll get him. That's a rather thrilling prospect. Terrific, Leon. Great to have you with us. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Leon. Thanks, Tingy, thanks enjoy here. the footy as it goes through. Sam, Simples. thank you. Thanks, Jared. We'll, uh, we'll see how it goes when the Blues and the Cats <laughs> meet. There's a bit to get through before them. I'm staying on for the Giants and the Lions. This has been the Round 18 edition of Crunch Time. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91